Lessons, hosted by my dad. Hello and welcome to Basketball Reasons. I'm Bill Oram, joined by Brett Dawson. Another week, we're here to still talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Brett, hello. Hello, Bill. How you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, it's been a it's been another um, another week since we last checked in. Uh, had a, had have some procedural updates on the Lakers. Um, it's been a, sort of an interesting week. We got to talk to Frank Vogel for the first time in about a month. Um, but uh, before that, our our usual mental health check-in how are you holding up as we um continue to wait out the coronavirus pandemic you know uh, it hasn't been too bad um i'm a little bit you know mentally a little bit drained a little bit tired of living the way that we're all living um tired of being in my apartment i'm doing everything in the same place but i've been trying to get out a little bit more um a little bit more walking a little bit more bike riding rode down to venice beach the other night which was really nice was down there for the sunset that was pretty cool um and other than that Still trying to do some reading and and watch some streaming as you know one plays into the other this week. Our Frank Vogel update learned that Frank Vogel, like both of us, watched Outer Banks on Netflix. Gave it the thumbs up. I was happy to hear that. Yeah, why are people down on Outer Banks? I I really enjoyed Outer Banks. Get with it. it you know, it, it jumped to number one that night on the uh, Netflix top ten. So I assume it got a real Vogel bump out of. Uh, you know, Frank Vogel's Zoom call. That's the only reason I can think that it jumped from the lower reaches of the top 10 all the way up to number one. But it's a fine so show. Those, people should watch it. So for those who haven't seen it or haven't seen the, the trailer, Outer Banks is a show about a lot of really beautiful people in their 20s playing beautiful people in their teen years who go on a treasure hunt. Uh, there's a murder mystery. There are bad guys. It all takes place. Uh, it's set in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, although it was filmed in South Carolina in Charleston. For me, Brett, it was kind of... The OC meets Bloodline. So I've never seen Bloodline. The OC thing is definitely there. I mean, there's definitely some uh, some OC elements to it for sure. There's a little bit of, um, specifically in the murder mystery, there are some kind of breadcrumbs along the way. It reminded me very much of the first season of Veronica Mars, which is a great season of television. Um, so I definitely got some of that vibe. There is kind of the, the whole, like, teenage mystery with a, a little bit of an almost noir twist kind of thing. And then a lot of people in bathing suits. Yeah, I mean it's fun. Listen, I mean nobody's sitting here and saying that it is has has jumped Mad Men on the all time shows rankings, but it was you know it's particularly given our current situation, um, it was uh, enjoyable enjoyable quarantine TV, and I, I very much hope there is a second season. Yeah, it's just it's like pop. It's like you know it's like a snack. It's like a um, it's not something that's gonna uh, really make you think a whole lot. But there's a mystery that you can kind of try to figure out as it goes along, and it's just kind of fun. It's escapist to me at a time when we can't really be out doing anything. It's a show about a bunch of people out doing stuff. In fact, the, one of the one of the main things going on in the in the show is that there's a long term power outage, and it allows them to kind of build a mystery where people can't communicate constantly with cell phones. So people are out and they're spending time around each other and they're talking to each other, and that's the simple act of like sitting on a boat together with your friends feels so escapist right now that I enjoyed that that element of it as well you know what i watched and you, you reminded me by saying um people out doing things i watched this bbc show called win the wilderness where they take a bunch of british couples from from obviously great britain and they transplant them to the interior of alaska and they all compete to win this off-the-grid cabin at the top of a mountain in the middle of alaska and it was in this time where you know kind of 
trapped is the wrong word, but in a in a city that's more or less on lockdown, um, that was also very appealing. The idea of going out and and being in the wilderness uh, definitely felt uh, I felt that pull, and it was an enjoyable show. And it's funny to watch a lot of people who've never um, necessarily uh, experienced that sort of world try to adjust on the fly. Uh, so that was that was the thing that I watched that maybe doesn't show up on your Netflix top ten, but is on Netflix. Having never really camped or spent any time, I mean, like just a little bit of, of like cabin camping, I've spent like one night in my life in a tent. So I think I would find that show very relatable. I think, yes, yes, you would. Um, all right. So let's turn our attention to uh, the Lakers of, of Los Angeles, since people are uh, presumably tuning in to, to hear about that. What did we learn, Brett, uh, from our conference call with Frank Vogel on Wednesday? We learned the Lakers are a good team. He kept saying that. He said that several times about how good they were. Um, but I think one of the big takeaways, there were a couple things to me, but the first thing, just chronologically, I thought was sort of significant is, um, I think you asked him, Bill, about this idea that you know the, the league is not going to reopen at least its practice facilities in one fell swoop. There's going to be some staggering because some, some cities are more ready to come back than others. Um, and you asked Frank Vogel about that, and he said that he didn't really care about any kind of competitive disadvantage of some teams maybe would get into their facilities a little bit before they would. There's going to be some restrictions on what you can do as you go back. But his thought was that, you know, look, it's just these are the circumstances you're in. Um, and he didn't want to waste a lot of time thinking about whether that was some kind of disadvantage for the Lakers if it takes them a little longer to get back than other people, which I thought was um, notable and, and I guess to some degree admirable to not just sort of sit there and complain about it. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think there's a huge competitive disadvantage to being a week behind on getting into your practice facility. Um, the teams that went into their practice facility on Friday were not the direct competitors for the Lakers in, in the Western Conference, although I think maybe Denver's on the front end of this. I'm not sure if they got in on Friday uh, off the top of my head. But but for the most part, I mean, most of the league is not getting back in at the very front of this. And I don't think there's a huge competitive disadvantage i just think that mentally as you look around and you see oh there are nba players getting in the gym getting back in the lab so to speak and i'm still stuck at home i think that that would just maybe add to the anxiety of the whole situation but ultimately you know it will it will straighten itself out and everybody will be back in at some point uh and the lakers um according to um some reports are among teams that will be able to test their players as they come as they come into the facility due to the um the increase in, te- in available testing in in uh, Los Angeles County and in California. Uh, I reached out to the Lakers about that, but they are still saying that it is um, that they are basically that the situation is super fluid. They don't have a timeline for getting back into the facility, but there's certainly some hope uh, that it could be as early as May 16th, the day after um, Los Angeles County's uh, safer at home ordinance is not set to expire, but is currently in place at, at least until May 15th. Right, yeah, so we've got some gradual changing here, um, and so there are some places that are a little bit ahead of us for people who aren't tracking, you know, what's happening. Uh, you know, if you're not a, if you're a Laker fan from somewhere outside of Los Angeles, you may not know exactly where we are. So we're easing some things this week. North some- of San Diego, south yeah. of yeah. Santa Barbara. So, yeah, if, you, if you're not west uh, of Las it, Vegas. where we are in the process, Bill, well, no, not, not, sorry. not where we are geographically. The, um, the idea that there's a little bit of relaxing of some things coming up. There's going to be some retail establishments that haven't been able to do, like, curbside pickup that will be able to. But we're not close to being uh, fully back to normal. We don't need to be for the Lakers to get back. Um, and so, like you said, targeting a time when um, 
our restrictions won't necessarily be lifted, but the, the restrictions that we have are set to run through at least that day. Okay, Brett, so let's dive into this one thing that we that we talked about with Frank Vogel, and it was your question. I think it's a really interesting concept. In it, What from the first 64 games that we saw the Lakers, they're 49 and 14, um, had had emerged as the favorites for the NBA championship after beating both Milwaukee and the Clippers. We knew a lot about that team. When they come back, whenever that is, if they come back, if it's August, September, and they get a chance to do some kind of playoff and, and pursue a championship in the 2019-2020 season, what from those first 63 games applies to that team? Can you take lineup data? Do you trust that the chemistry is just going to pick up where you left off? Um, what did you take away from Frank Vogel, and what's your personal belief on how much of that will apply because to me I think you know you get through a a heightened hastened uh maybe end of the regular season some exhibition games whatever it is and then you go into the playoffs far greater potential for chaos now than there would have been if this had played out on a normal timeline where an eight could beat a one or for some reason a a player from you know the late a a couple of lakers players don't get their conditioning back as quickly as let's say the grizzlies do um and 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 something could totally go haywire uh and out of the norm yeah thoughts it's, it's interesting so so frank vogel's basic answer to that question was that this is the great unknown. They, they, he doesn't really know. What he knows is they had a very good team, um, and he knows that they're going to need some time. Um, like, like most coaches and players uh, and front office people who have addressed this have said, they're going to need some time to get back and get their, their legs under them. Uh, Frank Vogel talked about the possibility that maybe they would play exhibition games. He's not concerned about whether they play regular season games. He wants something competitive that is not the playoffs before they start the playoffs um, to get just to kind of get get guys back into basketball shape. But the question is legitimate in the sense that, like, I, it's been is it 58, 59 days, something like that, since the Lakers played a game. I mean, we're, we're closing in on two months. Uh, Sunday will be two months since the last Lakers game. Yeah, I mean, if you think about that, if you just take that and, and take an NBA season where the season ends in the early-ish to middle-ish part of June, uh, that, that puts you in like August, and that's the time that players would really start to work their way back into shape at this point. This is as long a layoff from basketball as these guys have, not entirely in an offseason, but it, it's it's approaching like an offseason length layoff from real basketball activity, from being in the gym. Um, these guys, you know, like a lot of teams come out here to Los Angeles, they get together and play in July um, or in August. So like they haven't been doing anything like that. So this is a really long gap away from basketball. So there's physical questions that come along with that. The Lakers have an older team. So how are they going to, you know, how does that work in terms of easing back? There's certainly some mental stuff. I think this is a team we've talked about this before, Bill, that they do get along really well. They do have a kind of easy chemistry that I think probably comes back Quick, more quickly than it might for some other teams because that's been a real point of emphasis for these guys. But I do wonder physically just the rhythms of playing together um, and just the, the the legs, the stamina, all that stuff. I worry about that a little more with the Lakers than I might worry about it with some other teams. If you're bored in the house, bored in the house, bored, why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving, thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0. Listen, when quarantine set in and we knew we were going to be locked in our homes for weeks, months on end, obviously some things in our personal hygiene grooming behavior was going to have to change. 
as I knew my hair on top of my head was about to get a little unruly, I set up a chair in the backyard, gave my wife the clippers, and put it on Instagram Live. Some things I like to do more in private, and that's where Manscaped has been a godsend for me. Listen, Orem men, we've got hair. It's on my face, it used to be on my head, and it's in other places too. And that's why I take advantage of the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0, with their precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Who hasn't tried to use their cell phone flashlight feature while trying to shave down there? Well, the, the Lawnmower 3.0 comes with a built-in light, so you don't have to worry about any additional equipment when it comes to your equipment. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. That's a pair of gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. Again, it's just not—it's not an old team per se, but it's a team of guys who have a lot of miles. Yeah. And I, and so I think you know the, the idea that you know LeBron talked about this fairly early on when he did the road trip and podcast that you know there's this idea that oh because LeBron's old this rest is going to be good for him. But I think there is also something that it, it takes longer to get in game shape once you are you know in your 30s, and and the Lakers have a lot of guys to whom that applies, and so I think it's just going to be. It, it it falls in the category of the great unknown. You don't you don't know. Um, and and listen, I also we still don't have a great answer of what happens if something comes back and a player um, contracts the coronavirus right. or ends up testing positive for the coronavirus. I mean, obviously, the idea would be that everybody comes in virus free and then they don't come in, into contact with anyone else. So therefore, the chances of contracting it are are minimal. But if it does emerge in one locker room or with a certain player. Uh, what happens? We you know we know in the regular season the whole league came to a stop. In this new time with you know increased testing and and all of that, if if a test catches a player who's infected early on, does that player just go into quarantine and the league continues on? I, this is just a, I don't know. These this is such an unprecedented thing that there are so many questions about how this could go, um, with without any real clear answer. Yeah, I mean. The thing that we talk about is, as you know, we're talking about teams getting back into their facilities, and it's not full teams yet. It's a limited number of players. Frank Vogel said head coaches might not even be involved in the early part right, of this. I think, I think head coaches and GMs aren't even allowed to watch. Right? He won't. Yeah, he won't be allowed to watch what they're doing. Which is it, it's groups of four players, correct? Yep. Um, so it's not and, like, and one and what one per basket. I mean, we're not talking right. about them playing two on two. There will be no pick and roll. Right. Right. This so what we talk about right now, the idea that they're getting back closer to some activity, it doesn't put us any closer to having any real understanding of what the league might look like. We still don't have a return to play plan that's been laid out step by step and that seems um even remotely viable. We just don't have one. That doesn't mean they don't have a couple of plans they're they're looking into. They certainly do. Um, that doesn't mean that some of those aren't really viable, but we're so far away. This is such a small step. I think this makes everybody feel a little more optimistic when you start to talk about getting into a facility, but I think we're really far away from having any real sense of what this leads to. What what you know, Everybody's reopening. All the cities are reopening in phases. This feels like just barely phase one for the NBA of what will probably be a many-step process. 
Yeah, absolutely. And 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 listen, it, it, this is sort of where the NBA tried to be early on after after the suspension of the season, where they you know were letting players come in, you know, one player per coach, and then they and then they shut it down. So they're 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 basically taking off, going back that that last step before the total shutdown. They're almost working in reverse. Um, but but I agree. I mean, this is a um, this is going to be a lengthy pro- process. This doesn't mean we're two weeks away from you know a training camp. Right. I mean, Frank Vogel said something. We've talked about this before, I think, on this podcast. He was asked about his optimism for coming back, and he basically said, I'm an optimist. So, I, you know, I believe we're going to get back. But we still don't have a lot of people. You, you hear buzz when you talk to different people. Oh, like two weeks ago, I felt a little uh, less optimistic. Now I'm feeling a little bit more like there's a chance for something to get back. But these still aren't based on plans. We still aren't right. looking at a plan and saying, oh, this plan seems viable to me. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and you know, I think we all feel like the NBA is a fairly innovative league with a lot of um, with a lot of smart thinkers and a desire to be at the at the front of of helping to reopen um, the sports world. But it is uh, it is going to be done in phases. Was what another thing Frank Vogel said, and that is and that is going to continue to be true. And and I'm, what I'm going to be interested in seeing is as you get into a phase, what. It, what what makes it good enough to then move on to the next phase? Yep, and those things are going to be, it's going to be stuff like what you talked about. It's going to be that nobody has any infection for X amount of time, that players are spending, uh, so, so many players are spending X amount of time together, and then you increase those numbers, um, and you increase that time together, and then you continue to have, I assume, continue to have negative tests. Or I, I don't, it seems like such a complicated process, and this is, I think we're, we're, we're at the point where, you know, I, so many talks, so much discussion about, like, is there a single location? Is there still a possibility that they could play games in home locations? Um, I think fans are going to be out of the question. I think some media is going to be out of the question. I don't know to what extent the media is going to be out of the question. There's just so many things to answer. And it feels like so many questions to answer even before we move beyond this phase where four players and a coach can be on the court together. And then, Brett, if we get a season and the, the players are back on the floor and, you know, and whatever that looks like, um, do we assume that the Lakers start the postseason against Memphis? And how does the fact that this has been two months since we last saw the Lakers on the floor, last saw the Grizzlies on the floor, how does that change what that matchup looks like? Yeah, that's a great question. I assume we are going to see Memphis because I just don't think whatever they do, whatever the, the runway up to the playoffs is, if it's some regular season games or some exhibition games, I don't know how you – I just can't see them playing enough of them to make a difference in, in playoff seating. I just don't see them having enough games um, that New Orleans is going to jump up there. So I would assume that it is going to be Memphis. And it, it's interesting because, like, regardless, before any of this happened, if Memphis ended up being there, there was already this huge contrast. The Lakers are one of the most experienced teams in the league. Memphis is not. I mean, they're very young. They have a rookie point guard. Um, they have a lot of inexperienced players who are going to be doing this for the first time. And so on the one hand, you think like, well, okay, does a layoff help the, the fresh leg team more? Does it help them a little less because the Lakers now have gotten a chance to rest? I think the craziest thing about this is like maybe having experience helps, but nobody has experience in this. Right. I mean, nobody's, nobody's ever done anything like this. So, you know, um, Frank Vogel called a lot of things, you know, part of the great unknown. Um, and I think that's another one. Yeah, and I think you could certainly just spin it either way, where you know the you know youth and being young and dumb, for lack of a better way of framing it, 
works to your advantage or it, or that the experience of having been through playoff battles kind of prepares you for unique situations and 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 you're prepared. And listen, I think the Lakers are going to come out of this in pretty good shape. They have really strong leadership. Um, they're well coached. They're not a they're not a group that has a lot of um, players who you who you would not trust to come back in pretty good shape. Um, you know, these are pretty quality veterans who who know how to take care of themselves. So I think the Lakers are going to come back pretty in pretty good shape, all things considered, physical shape and just mental shape. But it it is just a wrinkle that you, I mean, stating the obvious would like to have avoided in in the pursuit of a championship like this is a team that was very much on the fast track to the western conference finals if not the nba finals and and now suddenly you could make an argument could be in trouble just by the by the circumstances yeah and and that's going to be the the question is it's just how everybody responds to the circumstances there are some there's some larger issues of just player health and well-being and and I think you know getting yourself enough time to acclimate to do as much as you can to mitigate the possibility of, of added injury just from having had this layoff I know guys are working but that's not the same as being on the court and there is going to be most likely some increased injury risk and you probably worry about that more with a veteran team than you do a young team but I don't know it, this almost feels like um a, a real multiplication of this idea of like, oh, is it is it better to get your first round series out of the way fast and get some rest, or is it better not to have this long layoff and have this rust? And basically, whoever wins game one in the second round, they say that team had the advantage because they did one or the other thing. It's going to be sort of the same way. I think we'll, we'll come out of this, and and probably the teams that win in the first round will say, oh, they they handled that layoff quite well, and it might just be you know they're a better team, they played better. Yep, that's the way it could go. All right, Brett. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, once again on Basketball Reasons. Uh, I'm Bill Orem. He was Brett Dawson. You certainly um, know him as the guy who dropped the knowledge on Frank Vogel, the man's caped for Outer Banks and a lot of other good shows on Netflix. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Subscribe. Take advantage of all the offers on The Athletic. I'm Bill Orem. This has been Basketball Reasons on the... I want to tell them my name, too. Oh, you're back, are you? What's your name? <laughs> My name is Teddy. <laughs> and for Teddy, this is Basketball Reasons. Thank you for listening.